Hello and welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. The best way to follow the stats, storylines, and everything else there is good about the world of professional volleyball. Yes, it does exist. Yes, it's really fun to follow. Today, we are going to talk about the second weekend of Volleyball Nations League. Kind of look at the games that are going to go on. Look at the composition of the pools. What's at stake for different teams. Some of the preliminary rosters that have been released. Also going to look at some of the statistical stuff that went on in the first weekend of Nations League. And a little fun segment I came up with at the If you guys have not listened to my recap of round one yet, I would suggest you go back and listen to that first. But for the rest of you, let's just get into talking about these different pools in Nations League round two. Going to go over them in no particular order. First one I'm going to talk about is Brazil, Iran, Japan, and Argentina. And this pool is taking place in Tokyo, Japan. So one of the bigger cities that the tournament is taking place in. I think the team with the most at stake in this pool is Iran. They went undefeated in the first round of Nations League. Granted, you could argue that their opponents were some of the easier opponents of the tournament, maybe even the weakest pool in Germany, a diminished Italian squad, and China. But keep in mind that the Italian team that they sent was actually not that bad. They still had Simone Gianelli. They still had Italy's starting middles. They still had Oleg Antonov and Fabio Belasso and Gabriele Nelli at opposite. So not exactly scrubs by any means. Not Italian's A-team obviously missing Juan Torreira and Zaitsev, but not a pushover by any means. Iran still took it to them 3-1 and also took down Germany and China 3-0. So only dropping one set on the weekend. Huge win for Iran. They're looking really good right now. Marouf has pretty much shaken off all the rust and dust that he seemed to accumulate in Siena back to his usual self. Musavi, their middle, played really well. Ibadapur, definitely the best player on that team in my opinion right now. And then Puryayali, a little bit of a controversial figure recently, but he did play some good volleyball last weekend. Iran, though, is going to have some stiff competition. I don't know necessarily. I would put them way above Japan and Argentina. I think all those teams are relatively close, Iran being the best out of them in my opinion, especially if they play like that. But they could certainly drop either of these two games against Japan and Argentina. Japan only at 1-2 and two right now, but they did have a pretty tough pool with Russia, Poland, and Serbia. And honestly, watching the game, Yuki Ishikawa didn't play for Japan against Russia, and I think they would have had a much better chance of winning had he played because he's just so important for them. And because Japan is playing at home and in front of the crowd that's going to be the spectators of the next Olympics, no less, I imagine that they want to put on a pretty good show. We'll probably see Ishikawa, Yanagita, and Nishida playing together most of the games, which makes Japan a much more formidable opponent. So Iran is definitely a strong Final Six contender at this point. Not sure if Japan or Argentina is after their first weekends. So Iran will really, really want to go at least 2-1 and one in this pool if they want to keep those final six chances alive in a strong way. You noticed I haven't talked about the last team in this pool at all yet because that team is Brazil. And based on what I saw last weekend from Brazil, the chances of them losing a match in this pool, not terribly high. They looked really good with Yoandri Leal, Ricardo Lucarelli, and Doug Souza as the outsides. Kachopa, the setter for Sada Cruzeiro, 
did a really good job filling in for Bruno and William. He's not quite at their level in a number of ways, including back row defense, game sense, but he does have very good hands, knows how to place the ball really well for his hitters, especially a few of them playing on Santa Cruzero in the past, and he has a pretty strong serve, actually a lot stronger than I expected based on what I've seen of him so far, so Cachopa doing a really nice job filling in at the setter position, even with Brazil not bringing their strongest lineup every week. They're so deep at this point, I don't see them dropping many games in the round-robin phase of Nations League. So in this pool, no challenger team, so no one's risk of getting relegated. Brazil all but guaranteed to make final six. Japan and Argentina, I mean, I guess either of them could make final six. Tough start for Japan, though. Looks like they're not going to send their strongest lineup every week. Might even see like Ishikawa not play again after these first two rounds. I would give Argentina more of a chance than Japan. They did send some pretty good players to their first weekend, although it was at home in Argentina. Did lose to Canada, though. Another team vying for a final six spot, so still could be pretty tough. The most important match in this pool definitely got to be between Argentina. A loss for Argentina would pretty firmly keep them out of the running for final six. A loss for Iran wouldn't be quite so decisive, but would still impact their chances greatly. And that game is happening on Saturday, June 8th at 2 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Central European Time. All right, let's move on to the next pool. That's between France, Poland, Bulgaria, and China. And for the second weekend in a row, it will be taking place in China. I would say there's a home court advantage for China, but they did manage to go without winning a game in the first round. So I don't know how much that will affect the result. And honestly, they do have an even harder pool this time around. France and Poland, two very strong teams, even if both of them are likely to keep a lot of their starters at home. Even the B teams for both these teams are, are pretty powerful. Bulgaria is a bit of an enigma. They had a very strange weekend last time. They beat Canada 3-1, to one, which was the best team in the pool. And then they managed to lose to Portugal, who a lot of people picked, including myself, to be the team that was going to be relegated. And then they also got destroyed by Argentina on their home turf. I think the reality for Bulgaria is a little closer to the game they played against Argentina versus the game they played against Canada. Canada made a ton of unforced errors in that one. And Bulgaria was, they were playing well, don't get me wrong, passing well, serving well. But also they were catching hands a lot. They were catching the sideline and backline a lot. Just a lot of plays that aren't always going to go your way. So I think if there's a win that China is going to pick up in these two home weekends, it's going to be against Bulgaria. We did see they almost beat Germany, taking them to five sets, but couldn't quite get it done. Bulgaria, definitely a stronger team than China, but has shown some pretty heavy inconsistencies in the past. Obviously, they're also missing their two best players by far in Viktor Yosifov and Svetin Sokolov. I don't think either of those guys will return for this week. I think both of them are expected to miss most of the tournament, but I guess anything could happen. We haven't seen their official roster yet. France and Poland, I'm looking forward to those two playing each other. We've seen, I think France is going to go with just a huge mix of guys. And they managed to go with a big mix of guys and go undefeated in the first week, also beating one of their big rivals in Russia, who they played in the Nations League finals last year. And they played it pretty casually too. They were kind of joking around, having fun with the tournament. 
not taking it too seriously, but still playing extremely well. We saw a good mix of faces in there. France is a very deep team, but so is Poland, mind you. Mikhail Kubiak is technically banned for six matches, I believe, by the Polish Volleyball Federation for some comments he made about Iranian players who he said were very insulting to him, I believe, in the Asian Club Championship. So the Polish Federation preemptively banned him six games before the FIVB could make their decision. Ultimately, though, it won't really amount to much. He wasn't going to play in these two rounds anyway. I believe he was only supposed to play the first round, which he did, and honestly did not play particularly well, and also play in the last round right before the finals. And besides, Poland has a ton of uh, outside players they can fill in with. So I think France, though, are going to go 6-0 and after this round. Poland, probably 2-1. and And I do think Bulgaria could beat China, although it is a winnable game for China. Not too many of those are going to pop up throughout this tournament. The next pool, going to talk about Italy, USA, Russia, and Portugal taking place in Ulfa, in Russia, the home of Ural Ulfa, a mid-tier team in the Russia. It's going to be a fairly competitive pool. Italy, their roster has already been released. They will be bringing pretty much the same team that we saw in the first round in China, where they did go 2-0 despite missing Juan Torreira and Zaitsev. Not sure if they'll be able to do that here, although Portugal, even for a diminished Italian team, should be a pretty easy matchup. USA and Russia, especially Russia, being at home will probably bring some of their big players out, definitely Volkov and Kliuka. So that, that'll be a really tough matchup for Italy. Speaking of Italy, I'm kind of surprised that Gianelli is already on a second VNL roster. I thought he might have been given a bit more rest. I mean, there's a good chance he takes the next three weeks off, but also the Italian Volleyball Federation could be using this as a chance for Gianelli to play with some of the players his age. Because believe it or not, Gianelli, I think, is a 96, 22 years old, 23 years old. So the players that we see as prospects on Italy are actually the players that are his age. It's just that Gianelli has been playing at the top level for, what, like six, five, six years now? So these are the guys who he's going to play with in 2024 and 2028. And I don't blame the Italian Volleyball Federation for wanting Gianelli to actually develop some chemistry and connection with. So in terms of the rest of the pool... Russia probably bringing mostly the same lineup again. Like I said earlier, Igor Kliuka, my pick for MVP of the first round of Nations League, had an absolutely exceptional weekend. Dmitry Volkov, his running mate, Dmitry Kovalev and Igor Kobzar, two setters. Probably going to alternate between those two again. Maybe, maybe give Pavel Pankov a chance, but probably not. Viktor Politev on the opposite position, who who I expect to play a lot better than he did in that first weekend because we've seen how good Viktor Politev is in that amazing run he had with Kubzas Kemerova beating Zenikazan in the Russian Super League final. But he was one of the worst players of the entire VNL week one. But we've seen him play at a very high level before. I don't expect that to continue. Ilyas Kurkiev and hopefully Yakovlev in the middle because Yakovlev did really impress me in the first weekend of play. So if they send all those guys out, I do expect that team to be the best one of this round. USA, though, could probably get a win off them. We'll see which guys they send. I believe a couple players have been confirmed, but I think Ben Patch will be 
returning to the USA roster after he was not on the roster for the first week. And given that the USA are automatically qualified for the final six, there's probably going to be just a mix of new and old faces as there were in the first week. But we saw even that team was still pretty strong. TJ DeFalco especially had an awesome weekend. So they, they could take down Russia, probably favored against Italy, and I expect any iteration of USA Volleyball to beat Portugal. So I would have to say the match I'm looking forward to most in this pool, probably USA-Russia, just because if the USA are sending a bit of a stronger roster, I think they could actually have a really good match against Russia. And then the last pool, which I will actually be attending in person in Ottawa, Canada, contains the teams Canada, Germany, Serbia, and Australia. Probably the weakest overall pool in this edition of the Nations League. Canada, the best team by a good margin in this pool playing in their home court, have a good chance to go 3-0. And, and they probably should go 3-0 and against these three teams in order to try and secure a chance in the final six. If they drop one game or hopefully not two games, that uh, could really hamper their chances. you got to take care of these easy teams. That's the easiest way to fall out of contention for final six is losing some silly games against teams that are not as strong as you. And you might be wondering why I'm saying Serbia is clearly a weaker team than Canada. Well, based on the first week where they didn't send their best eight players, aka all their starting lineup and draws and Lubric, to their home court in Novosad in Serbia, I kind of doubt they're going to send these guys over all the way to another continent in Canada. I mean, it could happen. They could be, you know, slowly adding starters to the lineup as the tournament goes on. And to be fair, these young Serbian guys did give Russia a bit of a run for their money, barely losing in five sets. But overall, I wasn't particularly impressed by this young crop of Serbian players. They still had pretty good middles in Peter Krizmanovic and Alexander Okolic. And I kind of like their young outside hitter, David Mehic. But overall, I would say this team might actually be the weakest team in the entire pool if they bring the same lineup that they did that week. Of course, if they turn around and bring Etanasevich, Kovacevic, Viznach, Jovovich, all those guys, yeah, okay, probably win this pool. But given the current circumstances, no. Germany is also a team uh, It was a little disappointing to me. I kind of talked up the German young players in my preview podcast I did. I thought they would show a bit more than they did. Anton Brim did have a good game. Moritz Richard played okay. But Linus Weber was a bit disappointing. Although at 20 years old, he is one of the youngest players in this tournament. The only win Germany managed to get was a 3-2 win over China. Did not look good against either Italy or against Iran. So whatever minuscule shot they had in making Final Six, definitely not there at that point. So that might motivate Germany to rely on their young players even more. Although they do have a European Championships later on this year to prepare for. Although we did see Germany beat Canada 3-1 in this very same arena last year. You never know what's going to happen in Nations League. Australia did look pretty good at times. They had a really good match with Poland where they were ahead in the fifth set 10-6 that they definitely could have won. Sam Walker I think had six or seven aces in that one. Pretty cool game. Archdeep Dosange. Talk about him a bit more later but had a bunch of kills in the match as a setter. Kind of a funky, cool team to watch. If they get 
either Paul Carroll or Thomas Edgar to play with the team this weekend. They, I think they'll be the number two team to beat in this pool. But I do expect Canada to go 3-0. And the, the other three teams, they could all beat each other very easily. I think I'm going to go Australia 2, Serbia 3, Germany 4. Although those last three teams, very close. The game I'm looking forward to watching the most in this pool, Canada versus Australia. I think Australia has the best chance of knocking out Canada, taking down their odds for final six. Two very physical teams, although sometimes that does help Canada as they can match Australia's physicality and athleticism, but also have more skill and technique than them as well. So four teams that are really looking for wins this week overall. I think Iran and Canada are the two strongest competitors, kind of as fringe final six teams. So both of them would really, Iran would really like to go two and one. Canada would really like to go two and one or even three and oh. Argentina and Italy, I think also still have fringe outside shots at going through to the final six. So if either of those teams play way above expectations this week and grab two or three wins, that would be huge for them as well. Although it will be tough for both of those teams to do that. Australia desperately looking for a win or two this weekend. One of the challenger teams at 0-3 right now. They are the last place challenger team. And if they were to remain in that position, they would be relegated out of Nations League for next season. Portugal and Bulgaria in similar situations at 1-2. and two. Both would like at least one, but preferably two wins in order to solidify their place for next year. So the next thing I want to talk about is some of the interesting statistical stuff that happened in the first round of Nations League. If you haven't read the blog before, I think I've shouted out a couple times on this podcast, but Mark Lebedew, the Australian national team coach, has a blog called At Home on the Court, and he basically releases his data volley stuff that I assume someone on the Australian team does for everyone to see, everyone to talk about. Really cool lot of coaches doing this. Don't really see it a lot in sports where coaches release their personal data for everyone to kind of use it's definitely got some different stuff got some more interesting unique stuff from the fivb data set the fivb definitely known for having some interesting and i guess unreplicatable results for their stats also they do have digs which i appreciate a lot of the other leagues that use data volley don't have digs but they have this really weird stat called running sets that I think people have tried to explain it to me before that a running set is like when the blockers are moving, but it's it's weird. No one else uses it. It doesn't really tell you much. There's always random players at the top of it. For example, I can see there's a Chinese setter at third place in running sets for the last weekend. You know, it, it doesn't tell you anything. You never want to have a stat that doesn't tell you anything. Just go with assists, even though it's still not a great stat for volleyball tells you more than running sets. But anyway, just the, the FIVB stats are unreliable. Mark Lebedew has way better stats. He does some cool stuff re- regarding side-o percentages when people are serving, you know, um, opposing side-o percentages when certain middle blockers are in the front court. Like, cool creative stuff like that I would love the FIVB to do. Anyway, sorry, bit of a rant there. But some of the cool stuff that I saw when perusing the data, which you can go see for yourself if you go check out his blog, Bartholomew Chininez, hit 13 for 16 with only one air over the weekend. If you didn't know, he won the French League MVP from the middle position, rare for a middle to win MVP in any league, let alone one of the top five or six in the world. 
I could tell he was a lot improved, especially in attacking. Really, really has developed his arm swing. Much better at hitting certain parts of the court. So with his athleticism, I think there's a very high ceiling for Chinez. Archie Dosange, the six foot seven, I think, setter for Australia, one of the tallest setters in the world, if not the tallest, had nine kills out of ten attempts in this match. Kind of cool to see a setter take on such a big offensive load for his team. Maybe not the best hands, maybe not the quickest setter, but definitely a unique guy, big blocker, always a really big threat at the net because he's contacting the ball so high. Kind of kind of fun player to watch play. I, I, I like this guy. He has been under the tutelage of Mark Lebedew, both in his club, Zavierci, for the past couple of years, and also obviously with the Australian national team. So he's definitely learned some tricks from Mark. Another promising sign for the French national team is that three of their middles were in the top 10 in block kill percentage. Agrinier, Daryl Boutour, and Nicolas Lagoff, all among the best kill blockers in the league. And you could tell over the weekend, hitters were just getting stuffed all over the place by the French block. Their footwork was really good. There was this one clip of Nicolas Lagoff getting a huge kill block on Victor Politave. And one thing I really like that the French blockers do is that if they don't get fully out to the outsides, they'll just go up wherever they are. They still get a full jump in, even if they're still several feet out from the uh, pin hitters. Basically, they just want to force the wing hitters to hit through the seam. And if they can't, well, it's going to be a kill block. And if they do get it through the seam, the French back row defenders are just sitting at the back, ready to pick stuff up. Igor Kluka, I've already talked about him a bunch over the past few podcasts, but... Not only was his attacking performance brilliant, but his serving was crazy. 57 serves over the weekend. 11 aces out of those 57 serves. Ridiculous ace percentage. And also less airs than aces too. So Igor Kluka, maybe you think of him as a really good blocker. One of the tallest outside hitters at 6'10". Really good attacker. But he's also got a good serve. He is really shaping up to be maybe the next super... I've mentioned Victor Politev, maybe not playing up to his potential last weekend, but here's another stat to kind of show you how bad it really was. Just told you Kaliuka, 57 serves, 11 aces, and only 8 airs. Politev, 31 serves, only 1 ace, and 14 airs. So almost double the amount of airs as Kaliuka in half the serves. Don't want to be too hard on the guy because we have seen him serve at an extremely high level before. His aces were pivotal to that win against Senecazan, but it is a very high-risk serve. And sometimes if you start racking up the airs on your super hard jump serve, it can get in your head a lot. We see that sometimes with Alfredo Leon, where he'll just make like 15 airs over two games. Even though we love these really hard serving guys because they can win you sets literally by themselves, you do pay for it sometimes when Kubiak was the most efficient jump server of the weekend with at least 20 attempts actually probably hit better from the service line than he did from in front of the three meter line so that was that was a bit weird Archie Dosange the Australian setter I mentioned earlier was the most efficient float server so you know he's got he's got a few elements to his game Riccardo Lucarelli was the most efficient outside hitter by far with over 20 attempts at 0.542 hitting efficiency TJ DeFalco the recent graduate of Long Beach State University from the USA, second in efficiency 
at 0.462, so almost 10% lower. But still, TJ DeFalco had a great weekend. He's got a really bright future with Team USA, and Spiraz got a tough decision with a couple of these young players because TJ DeFalco definitely might be good enough to play as a rotation outside hitter, maybe even above Thomas Jaski in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And then the least efficient outside hitter was Chinese hitter Li Bin Liu at negative 0.025%. little disappointing for him playing at home, still to have that bad efficiency against not the strongest blocking teams. He was a player I was excited about, had a couple of decent pro seasons overseas as the only Chinese player playing out of China, but he's still got lots of time to improve. Amir Gafour was the most efficient attacking opposite at 0.471. By the way, Gafour, the recent addition to Kuchine Lubechivtanova. They signed him this week. Not sure what his role is, probably as a bit of insurance in case Camille Richlicki struggles to the high end of Italian Super League more than we expect him to, but in my opinion, he will be firmly behind Rick Licky in the rotation. David Konarski also had a pretty good weekend hitting 0.462, but then his teammate Bolaj, the opposite hitter from Friedrich Schaffen, not good at all at 0.152 efficiency. Unfortunate because he was definitely a guy I wanted to see get a shot with the Polish national team, and he got it, and he kind of blew it. So just to finish off the podcast, I thought I'd do a little bit more of a fun question, and that is, what players do I think would do well at a different position? And I'm going to try and pick guys who have not played this position significantly before. You know, some middles play opposite sometimes. Some outside players play opposite. Try and try not go with guys that do that. So for outside hitter, a guy who I think would be really fun to watch at the position is Grabenikov. I know there are videos of him floating around playing outside hitter for Lube Chivitanova, but I think obviously with his passing ability, he would be a great addition to serve reception. The guy is very athletic. I think has a monster vertical. I think he was wanted to be an outside hitter before his dad told him he would be too short for the position, and that would be his only disadvantage that it would be a little short, but with his hops, I've seen him hitting those hitting lines. He always hits uh, before games. He would be a uh, fine with attacking. Maybe blocking might be a bit of an issue, but attacking, he would be totally okay. As an opposite, I think Simone Giannelli, this setter, would be really strong. Sometimes he does actually hit. You know, he won't always set the ball over like a couple setters. If he, if he does get an opportunity to, he will swing on the ball and overpasses and stuff. So I think that hitting ability, and I, I do believe he did play as a hitter before he was a setter. And we've seen the transition from setter to opposite many times in the past. Ivan Zaitsev, Namir Abdelaziz, two guys that come to mind immediately. I think Giadelli has the height and athleticism to be an excellent opposite hitter, but obviously he's, he's a fantastic setter as well. So I, I wouldn't see a position switch in his future anytime soon. As a setter, I think the libero Luke Perry would be a good one. He's a little on the short side. I think he's only about 5'11", 6 feet. Again, pretty good athlete like Rabenikov and really, really good hands. The Australian national team and Luke Perry's club teams are never afraid to let Luke take the second ball. Got a really nice feel for the game. No trouble setting to either pin position from the back row. I think I'd like to see him give it a try. But again, a little short for the position, so he would definitely get picked apart as a blocker in the front row. A guy who would be interesting to see play middle is the Czech outside hitter, Donovan Zavaronok. He's got good height for the position at 6'8", and he is pretty fluid and flexible, so I can see him being able to 
have the lateral movement that is demanded of middle blockers. Great server too, so he will add a lot to the service line as a middle, probably a better server than the majority of middles out there, so that would be nice. And he's not exactly the best passer in the world anyway, so what's the harm in trying a new position? And then lastly, a guy who I think would make a good libero is Filippo Lanza, the Italian outside hitter. I think people rag on Lanza a lot for his poor service sometimes. Lack of athleticism, I believe his vertical can't be much more than 30 inches, if it's even that. But he is a great passer, he's a great back row defender, got a good feel for the game. So why not try out the libero position? He would help any reception line a lot, and we wouldn't have to get mad at him for making so many service and hitting errors anymore. Of course, I was trying to think outside the box with a lot of these picks, so I don't expect any of these players to seriously consider changing positions, but it was a nice thought experiment to uh, consider. Anyway, that's going to be it from me for the podcast. I'm heading to Ottawa for Nations League this weekend, if you guys are around. Come say hi, potentially. And I am looking forward to seeing Canada, Serbia, Germany, and Australia play some great matches of volleyball in person. Thanks.